Open with me to the Gospel of John, chapter number 20. The Gospel of John, chapter number 20. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Bless God. And uh, I, this morning, I normally don't read through, but I want to just read this, this and then we're going to go back over it. So uh, follow along in your Bible or just listen to the account of the, the resurrection of Christ in the Gospel of John. Amen. Praise the Lord. How many of you know faith comes through hearing and hearing through the Word of God? And every time we hear the Word of God, if we hear it with a willingness and a desire, it will, it will just do something inside of you that we just can't explain and can't put a price or a value on. God's Word is precious, and the Bible says His Word will not return void. No matter how many times you've heard the story, no matter how many times you've heard or read it, it, it's when you hear it again, listen to it like it's the first time you're hearing it and let it speak to your heart. Amen? Bless God. That's how I always went into every service of my life. And as I continue to go, no matter where I go, I listen to the word like it's new and fresh to me. And I want it to speak to me. I want it to speak to my heart. I want it to change me and challenge me. I just want, I just love, oh, bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Let me read to you from the Gospel of John, chapter 20. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. And so she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciples whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore, Peter therefore went forth and the other disciple, and they were going to the tomb, and the two were running together. And the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter and came to the tomb first. And stopping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Simon Peter therefore also came following him and entered the tomb. And he beheld the linen wrappings lying there and the face cloth, which had been on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. And so the other disciple who had first come to the tomb entered then also, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. And so the disciples went away again to their own homes. But Mary was standing outside the tomb weeping. And so as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb. And she beheld two angels in white sitting, one at the head and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been lying. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. And when she had said this, she turned around, and behold, Jesus standing there, and did not know, she did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me, where have you laid him? And I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. 
And she turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus says to her, Stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my Father and your Father, and my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came announcing to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that these things he said to her, Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. He's risen indeed, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. What a wonder. The first one to, to go and preach the, the announcement that he's risen was a woman, Mary Magdalene. Praise the Lord. A woman that was, that was, that was just looked on and despised and, and just... She was a sinner. Previous. Weren't we all? Until Jesus came into our life. And then a whole new day dawned. A whole, new, a whole new life begun. When Jesus came into your life, then a whole new day dawned. A whole new beginning began when Jesus came into your life. Mary Magdalene was a new creation because Jesus had come into her life. And we need to rejoice in our new life in Christ. We all have new beginnings because of Jesus Christ. It's not over, it's just beginning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Life as we know it is composed of or comprised of beginnings and endings. Things, things come and go in our lifetime, don't they? We have success and we have failures. We have prosperity, we have not. Things come and go. Everything has a time and an end and a season to it, doesn't it? Hallelujah. Just like sports and football and baseball, there's seasons. Nobody wins every game, most always, and if they do, it's only for a season, not for a lifetime. But there's, win there's wins and losses and in everybody's life and in everything in life. And when, when, when you gain, that's not the end of the world or the end of life. When you lose, it's not the end of the world or end of life. Gee, Paul says, however I find myself, I am content because I'm content in Jesus Christ. I'm not content in the riches or things of this world. I'm content in Jesus. And whether I have or have not, I am happy in Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, people think that, oh, if I could only have riches, then I would begin a whole new life. No, uh, let me tell you something. If you were to inherit a fortune today, your troubles would not end. Your troubles would just be beginning. Your phone will not stop ringing. Your door will not stop being knocked on. You'll have cousins, aunts, and uncles who you haven't seen in a hundred years come saying, remember me? You'll have, you'll have con artists and scam artists and everybody else running after you to take hold of your fortune. And so your troubles won't end when you get money. Your troubles just begin. And you will also be struggling with the things of this world. But when we know that Jesus Christ is my Savior and my Lord, He's my all-sufficient one, then I am content whether I have or have not. Amen. Praise the Lord. God desires our todays and our tomorrows to be filled with new hope. New hope. 
no matter what your yesterday was, God says, if you believe in me that I am the resurrection and the life, I'm going to give you a new hope today and a new hope for tomorrow. Forget the past. Don't look behind at what wasn't or what could have been or should have been or would have been. Look at me today in the resurrection that I am the new hope, a new hope and a new future for your life. The resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ opens up a whole new day for us, opens up a whole new beginning. The dawning of a new day has come even today in your life. Do you believe it? Hallelujah. It's not what so much was in the past, but what can Christ do in your life today and tomorrow? Hallelujah. You know, when we reflect back over, over the scriptures, over, the East, over this uh, whole week, uh, as we remember, that Christ, uh, when he was going to the cross, he had to go to the cross so that he could rise. Amen? If there was no cross, there would be no resurrection. But thank God there was the cross. Thank God there was the resurrection. Because the resurrection, well, without the cross, there would be no resurrection. Hallelujah. And without the cross, we would be dead in our sins. But Jesus set examples to teach us to bring hope into our life. Everything Jesus says and does is to bring hope to your life. To let you know that there's a future for you. A future with Him for you. God's design is that you have a life filled with His presence and help in your life. Isn't that great news? That you don't have to live life by yourself. That Jesus who created you, God who formed you and fashioned you in the, your, in the womb wants to live life with you and have you live with Him for eternity. You know, when we look at the Last Supper, Jesus chose to, to have that Last Supper. He told them what to do and where to go, and, and he says, we're going to have a, the Last Supper. And that was the Last Supper that Jesus would have with those that loved him and those that he loved while he was in the flesh. That was the last meal. That was going to come to an end. But Jesus loved fellowship. You know Jesus loved fellowship from the Old Testament, as we said on Friday, that God, when he made the tabernacle, he says, I want this made because I want to dwell in the midst of my people. And through Jesus Christ, the risen Lord, now God wants to dwell in your heart, in your very being. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but that excites me that God who created me, who formed me, who cleansed me of my sin, wants to dwell inside of me and have fellowship with me. God sat down at table at the Last Supper and he spoke to them and he loved on them. Because fellowship is important to Jesus. And Jesus is saying fellowship should be important to us. That's why the word says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. But we, if we love Jesus, if we love, if we love that what he's done for us and what he's doing, we must love his fellowship and the fellowship of the believers together as we do on a Sunday, come together and sing his praises. We should love to be in fellowship. We shouldn't looking for, for excuses or ways out. We should be making ways in to the fellowship of the, of, the, of the house of God. And Jesus said, fellowship is important. 
And, and when he was in fellowship at the Last Supper, we know what happened. Judas got up and betrayed him. And God is saying, when we fellowship, don't look to be betraying one another. Look to be blessing one another. Look to be encouraging one another. What are we doing here? We're looking to bless and encourage and strengthen and bring out the best of everyone. Amen? That's what Jesus wanted fellowship. One of the reasons he loved fellowship was Jesus was able to bring out the best of everybody. Jesus was able to encourage. Jesus was able to, to just, uh, oh, spark their faith. And that's why we come together in the body, because we love fellowship, not to wrestle with one another, but to encourage one another and to love one another. Because Jesus says what? This is how they will know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. And so the Last Supper was a, was a beautiful picture of how Jesus desired fellowship. And we look at the last book of the Bible as we look at Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. We see that Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Jesus never stops desiring and wanting fellowship. Jesus is knocking on your door and he was saying, I want fellowship with you to be constant and continual. And when he was in the flesh, he knew that was the last supper in the flesh, but he knew that through Calvary and through the resurrection, it would open a door for eternal, constant fellowship with God forever. How many of you know he never leaves you alone? God is always with you and in you to fellowship with you, to sup with you. You know what sup means? It means to nourish you, to provide for you, to have a good time with you as he's serving you. Hallelujah. I'm thankful he rose. Because he rose, he, we can open the door and say, Jesus, I want fellowship. I want to sup with you. I want to I wanna break bread with you. I want to drink of the living water with you. Hallelujah. Because he rose, we can have fellowship with him. He's not here in the flesh, but in a way he is because we are the body of Christ. But we have fellowship with Jesus. And so we see the Last Supper wasn't the end. It was the beginning, a new beginning of God saying that I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will be with you and in you always. When Jesus was facing death, Hallelujah. He chose to be delivered over to death. Nobody forced him because he loves you. Because he loves you, he delivered himself to death. Because Jesus says in the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verse 13, Greater love hath no man than this. You hear that? Greater love hath no man than this. That a man lay down his life for his friends. 
And in John 10, 18, Jesus said, no man taketh it from me. No man takes my life from me. He says, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it up. And this commandment I have received of my Father. You see, Father loves you so much. Father God wants your friendship. He wants your sonship. And Jesus says, no greater love has no man than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. And Jesus said, I call you friends. Jesus puts a value on your friendship. Your personal friendship with Jesus is precious to him. He's not concerned. He's concerned about everyone, but he's meaning he's concerned about you. Jesus wants you to be his friend, more than a friend, but Jesus made it clear. I want your friendship. I want to be your friend every day that you live. I want to be your friend that walks with you when the thick and the thin. I want to be your friend when things are going good, and I want to be your friend, your best friend, when things are going not so good. And so Jesus put a value on friendship when he says, come and take me. I'm allowing myself to go to the cross because not only does he want fellowship with you, but he counts you as a precious, wonderful friend. Isn't it good to have a good, true friend? A lot of so-called friends that leave you in the thick of things, but there's one who sticks. No matter what, Jesus is your friend. He's more than our friend, but he says, he declares that he's, I call you friends. And he laid down his life and he rose again that he could be your eternal friend, your forever friend. Ah, Jesus is my forever friend. Hallelujah. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords, but he declares that I am, he is my friend. And so Jesus wants your fellowship to continue. Because of his resurrection, your fellowship with him can go on. Because of his resurrection, your friendship with him can continue to develop and grow. When you have a good friend, you talk to them as often. When, you, when there's something, you call your best friend. You know you can trust your best friend. You know you, you, know you can confide in your best friend. You know that your best friend is not going to stab you in the back. You know that your best friend is not going to betray you. You know that your best friend has a heart for you, for your good. And so we can always turn to Jesus. That's why he said, cast all your cares upon me because I care for you. You're my friend. You're my child. You're my son. I laid down my life and I rose and lived that you might live in me. And when Jesus experienced death on the cross of Calvary, he did so because he loved you. Hebrews 12, 2, you all know the verse. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Why did Jesus allow himself to be put 
to death because he saw you. He saw life with you, an eternal life with you. He saw that he would be able to make you a new creation, to give you a new heart and a new spirit, to give you a new home in heaven, a new mansion in heaven where it can never be taken away. He knew that you would never, one day because of what he was doing, you would never have to die again. That in that new Jerusalem, there'll be no more death, no more dying, no more pain, no more suffering. And when we are with him in that place, glory to be to God. Hallelujah. But in the meantime, he's our friend. We're fellowshipping with him. He's walking with us and talking with us and encouraging us to go on. And that's why the Bible declares to us too. That Jesus knows what death is all about. But the Bible says he conquered death. And that's why we have no fear of death anymore. Because Jesus rose from the dead on the third day. He conquered death. He took the keys of death and hell from Satan. And he holds them in his hands. And he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Don't fear death, because if you believe in me, you will live. And if you have died, you will live. And if you live, you will never die, because I have the whole keys of death in my hand. Why? Because I went through death, and I took the keys from death. I conquered death, and hallelujah, hallelujah. Because he lives, we have a new hope. We don't have to fear death. The Bible says it's appointed to every man once to die. And after this, the judgment. But if we're in Christ, we know there's no judgment because we've already been judged by God. We've been judged to be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We've already taken on the robe of righteousness, the garment of salvation, the helmet of salvation. How many of you know that you are in Jesus Christ? You have a hope in heaven. Hallelujah. When we look at Mary Magdalene, as in that account, you know, she comes to the tomb and she loved Jesus because Jesus saved her. Jesus washed away her sins. When, when the world was looking to stone her or cast her out or want nothing to do with her. <laughs> Sound familiar? Jesus says, you're forgiven. She came to Jesus. He said, you're forgiven. He washed away her sins. She never forgot what Jesus did for her. She loved, the Bible says she loved Jesus with all her heart. Do you love Jesus? Jesus took away your sins, washed them away. As far as the east is from the west, though your sins be as scarlet, yet they'll be as white as snow. Jesus washed away our sins. Doesn't that, shouldn't that be a reason for us to love God? Not only did he wash away our sins, but he fellowships with us. He's our friend. He's building us a mansion in heaven. He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll be your provider, your care. I'll be your great shepherd. How can we not love the Lord? Mary Magdalene had a deep love for Jesus in her heart. And she went to the tomb and, and she was weeping. Now John and Peter and John ran and, you know, and, and John outran Peter. And Peter said, wait for me. And it says John went in and he saw and, he, you know, Peter, he didn't go in, but Peter went in first. You know, Peter, that's the way Peter is, you know. He was slow, but he was, he kept going. He kept, kept right on going. And then John went in and said, John believes. And, and they went out 
But Mary was still there weeping. She was weeping because she loved him. When you lose someone you love, doesn't it break your heart? You know, there, there, you can't put it into words. I lost my parents when I was young, one at a time. And it broke my heart because I loved them dearly, greatly. You can't replace that. And so she thought Jesus was, was dead. She thought he, but even more, what added to that was that now his body was not gone. And so she was doubly grieved. Not only did she lose the one that she loved, she thought, but now where's his body? And so there was great heartbreak. Doesn't life break our hearts? Doesn't situations and circumstances break our hearts? And it causes us to weep. If we don't weep, we're not human. Jesus caused us. I mean, he, that's the way we're made. And so she was weeping. And the angels said to her, why are you weeping? Not that they didn't know why. But sometimes we have to acknowledge why. And so why were you weeping, Mary? And she says, I don't know. His body's not here. He's missing. Where have they taken him? When Jesus is missing in someone's life, we're left with a, a lot of heartache, a, a lot of disappointment, a lot of confusion, a lot of turmoil. Without Jesus in our lives, we're missing a key piece to peace. We're missing a key piece to healing. How can our hearts be healed without Jesus? If we're missing Jesus in our lives, we can't heal our hearts, our minds, our soul. Man has no answer to broken hearts. Man has no answer to, to a tormented soul or a tormented mind. Man has no answer or solutions. There's no medicine. There, there's no therapy. They can help a little bit and somewhat, and, 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 and they try. Some really try to be help, and that's good. But if Jesus is missing in a person's life, there can't be that healing of that broken heart. There can't be that healing of a life. There can't be hope of tomorrow without Jesus Christ. And that's why Mary was crying and weeping. He's missing in my life. I need Jesus in my life. I want Jesus to be in my life. Even if it's I could only see his body, it would bring me some kind of peace. And so people who live with Jesus missing in their life are hurting people. People who are suffering. And that's why we who have the gospel, the good news that he's risen from the dead, we need to bring the gospel to a hurting and dying world. People who are living life with no hope, no understanding of how to be healed in their heart, in their spirit, in their... And so that's why it's important to bring the gospel because there's power in Jesus Christ, there's power to bring new life, new hope, to heal the brokenhearted. What did Jesus say? I've come to set the captives free, to heal the brokenhearted, to bring peace, amen, and more. 
And so then she hears a voice again saying, Why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And she turned around and she thought it was the gardener. She heard a human voice thinking it was the gardener. You know, God sends people into our life to encourage us. If we have Christ in us, how many of you believe Christ is in you? If you have Christ in you, God says, you are my body. You're my hands. You're my feet. You're my eyes and ears. You're my mouth. And God brings people alongside of us when we're hurting. When it seems like everyone else has left us, God finds a way to bring someone in your pathway who will speak to you words of blessing, encouragement, strength. Keep the faith. Keep going. Keep on. Don't give up. How many that's happened in my life and in my wife's life time and time again? Whenever we seem alone, whenever we seem at a place of brokenness or despair, God always sends someone to be an encouragement and to say, come. And in this case, it was Jesus himself. Why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? You see, if we seek the Lord, he will come and work wonders in your life. And what did he say? She, he said, whom are you seeking? And she said, Jesus. And that's when he said, Mary. Mary. Jesus cares about you personally. I've called you by name. When we feel abandoned or alone, Jesus will never leave us nor forsake us. And if we stand and look in his presence and seek him, he will speak your name. And that his voice will bring comfort to your very being. And his voice speaking your name, he will call you by name. He will let you know that he knows you. He formed you. He fashioned you. He died for you. He rose for you. He's there for you to fellowship with you, to be your friend. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And he says, Mary. And then she knew it was him. And she wanted to give him the biggest hug you could ever give somebody. But Jesus says, no, don't touch me, Mary. I've not yet risen. But go and tell. Go and let them know that I live, that I live, that I live. I bet you Mary put on her running shoes. She put on her Nikes or whatever they were. And she, may, and she just booked to tell the disciples, he's alive, he lives, he lives. No one would ever be able to stop Mary from declaring the good news that he lives, amen? And her heart was no longer broken. Her heart was no longer weeping. Now she had a song to sing. Now she had good news to bear. Now she was looking for somebody to tell. Now she wanted to spread the gospel of good news. How about you? Are you looking to 
to tell somebody that Jesus lives? Are you looking to tell you, that, oh, I got the good news. How many of you have got the good news? Hallelujah. And like Mary, go and tell. Hallelujah. And so she ran and she told him, hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Hallelujah. Resurrection. Resurrection faith. Resurrection faith. You know, we have to thank God for the cross and for the shed blood. For by his stripes we have been healed. But without the resurrection, that would have been just a nice ending to a nice story. But because he rose from the dead, he declared himself to be the son of the living God. He declared himself to be God Almighty, the Christ, the Savior of the world, the Lamb of God. And so we live in that resurrection faith, knowing that my Savior lives. Hallelujah. And it doesn't matter. When, I, when we seems like you're all alone because of your resurrection faith, you know that you're not alone. There's no demon in hell can lie to you and tell you that you're all alone. Nobody cares about you. You say, devil, you're a liar because I know one thing, that Jesus loves me. Jesus cares about me. And Jesus will make certain that someone will come to me to be my friend because Jesus is my friend. He's concerned about fellowship and friendship and love and caring. And God will send someone to help me. God will send someone to, to encourage me. God will send someone to, to build me up. The enemy will send people to discourage, people with foul mouths, people with all kinds of things to try to tear you down. Or, but God will send someone to build you up, to be an encouragement in your life. And that's what we're doing here, to build you up, to encourage you, not to tear you down, but to build you up and to encourage you. Hallelujah. Jesus will always send someone because he rose from the dead. He will always make sure that he speaks into your life and he will send someone who has flesh and blood to come alongside of you because we need, Jesus knows we need someone to come along with flesh and blood that can touch us. And yeah, all we need is Jesus. That's true. But Jesus says that you are my body. You're my hands and you're my legs and my feet. You're my arms. And you need to hug somebody sometimes. When somebody's going through something, you need to hug them. Don't just speak the word to them. Hug them. You know, when I was in ministry, growing up in ministry, the pastor that I was under, he often shared this so I can share this. He grew up in a home where his father never hugged him. He thought it was, a, it was a, a not manly to hug. And so he grew up without ever being hugged. And he had a hard time hugging people because he was never hugged. But by the grace of God, he was able to overcome that. And began to hug people. And that's why we need to be hugged. To be 
in, in a godly, listen to me, in a godly way, in a pure, holy way. We need people. Godly people who have Christ in their life. And sometimes, let me tell you this, sometimes if the godly people will not rise up and hug you and bless you, God will raise up those who, who do not even know him and, and cause them to come and hug you and bless you. God looks to his people first. But if his people do not respond, God will raise up someone, touch somebody's heart, even if they're a heathen or an unbeliever, and they will come alongside of you and bless you and hug you and encourage you. To the shame of the body of Christ, but God will never leave you alone. God will make sure someone comes across your pathway to encourage you and to bless you because he's risen, he cares about you, he's got the power to touch someone's life, power to make a change in someone's life, to come to you with love and care and compassion. Thank God he cares so much about your life and my life to come and send somebody to touch us in our times of need. We are always in times of need. And when it seems like something's too much for us and we just can't do it in our own strength, Jesus comes and says, Hello? Stop trying to do it on your own strength. Excuse me? Allow me to roll away the stone. Allow me to, 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 to push this problem a little bit out of the way. We need to look to Jesus to help us. We need to look to Jesus. We need to put our situations and circumstances and look and say, Jesus, you know what I'm facing. Here it is. I can't do this on my own strength and power. You rolled away the stone. You rolled away the stone on the third day. Surely you can roll away the stone over this situation or circumstance. Surely you can move it and make a new way. Because Jesus said, I've given you a new hope, a new life, a new beginning. Resurrection faith makes you want to dance and shout. <laughs> I'm sorry, hey. Uh, resurrection faith wants to make you dance and shout in the spirit realm. Not in the flesh, but in the spirit. The Bible is filled, from, from Genesis to Revelation, is filled with rejoicing, with dancing, with song, with, with praises. And that's what God, by his resurrection, he continues. You know, Israel, when Israel was going, uh, you know, when, when we look at, at what, uh, how God, through the resurrection, how he can do wonderful things. Because he showed us that what he, what he was able to do even in the Old Testament, how much more can he do and will he do? Because now that he's risen... You all know the story with Abraham and Sarah. Oh, man, we're just too old to have a child. But God says, excuse me? Did you forget that I'm here? Too old? Nothing is impossible for God. And God blessed them with a child in their ripe old age. And do you think that they were dancing and singing and praising God? you think others that heard about that were not praising God and shouting? 
See, God is able to do. When we, well, you know, God is able to do more than we could ever ask or imagine. <laughs> Moses, when, he, when God delivered Moses, the people out of Egypt, and, and here they go, you know, they're, they're, they're rejoicing, and they get to the Red Sea, and uh-oh, you brought us here, God? Yeah. You forget that I'm with you? Do you think this sea is too much for me? Brought them across, and you know what the rest of the story. But it says, Miriam and them got tambourines. And they began to sing, hallelujah. They began to dance and shout because God delivered them on the other side. We got tambourines here. How many of us, how many of us get those tambourines during praise and worship and give God praise? Miriam got the tambourines on the other side and said, we've got to dance and shout and praise God. Why? Because he delivered them. He's a deliverer. He's a risen Savior. How much more should we grab the tambourines and praise God and use our voice to worship God? He's risen. Hallelujah. And when Israel was in exile, they hung, their, they hung their harps on the willow trees. You know the story. And they said, oh, it's all over. But God delivered them again and brought them back. And then it says, take your harps off the willow tree and start making melody in hearts to the Lord. Start singing the praises of God. And so when God, when we, we look at a risen Savior, it's got to put joy in our heart. It's got to put a melody inside of us. It's got to make us want to sing and shout and glorify the Lord. Hallelujah. Because of what he's done and is doing for us. Weeping may linger for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Hallelujah. Morning has come. The dawn has risen. Jesus has rose from the dead, and we shall have joy. Hallelujah. The joy of the Lord is my strength. How many of you can say that? The joy of the Lord is my strength. Hallelujah. And I want to end with these three things here. Resurrection power, resurrection faith brings a lot of things into our life. John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus says, In this world you're going to face persecution, but take courage. But take courage. Have faith. Have hope. I have overcome the world. I've overcome death and I've overcome the world. So take courage. Have faith and believe. Resurrection faith brings victory into your life. If you believe that Jesus rose from the dead, if you believe that he has the power, he conquered death, he conquered life, he conquered the grave, if you believe he lives, then you have victory. He will bring victory into your life because he sups with you. He's your friend. He's your God. He's your Father. He's your Lord. And he says, more than conquerors have I made you. We must take hold of resurrection faith and confess I am a victor in Christ and there's no situation on this earth that I cannot, that he cannot overcome. Hallelujah! 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 Look through things through the eyes of resurrection faith. Through Jesus who lives. And that's why Jesus said, I am the resurrection in John eleven twenty five, 25. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, they will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. 
We know where our future lies. If you believe in a risen Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, then you know where your future lies. It doesn't lie in Berwick. It doesn't lie in Bloomsburg. It doesn't lie in Danville or Catawissa. Your future lies in the kingdom of heaven with Jesus Christ who's building you a mansion. That is where your future lies. And so as we have resurrection faith, we know, I know where my future lies. It lies in a place called heaven with Jesus as my Savior and my Lord forevermore. And in that place there is no more sickness. There is no more death nor dying. There is no more hunger or thirst. There is no more pain or suffering. That's where my future lies. Why? Because he lives. And in Matthew 28, we're going to end with these. All authority has in heaven and on earth has been given to me, says Jesus. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus, the resurrected Lord. Because he rose from the dead, all authority in heaven and earth is given to him. And he says this right after he says that. All authority, he has power. Over all things, over the devil, over everything on this earth, Jesus has power and authority. And he says, I, who have power and authority, am with you always, even to the end of the age. So if the God who rose from the dead, who has all power and authority, is with you, whom shall you fear? Why should you weep? Why should you be afraid? Because he who has the power over death and hell and all the forces of earth and uh, the, over life, if he is with you, why should we fear? We shouldn't fear, but we should rejoice. We should have faith in our risen Savior and declare because he lives I shall live. And because he lives, I will rejoice. And because he lives, I will sing his praises. And because he lives, I can have a new hope for today and for tomorrow. It doesn't matter what the situations or circumstances look like. Because in Christ, I can believe God for good outcomes, for good things to come forth. As I lift up things in prayer and believe God, I believe my Savior has all authority and all the power over cancer, over joblessness, over all kinds of things, over family situations and circumstances. He has power and authority over everything, and he is able to do more than I could ever ask or imagine. Because all authority and power has been given to him, and Jesus, our Savior and Lord, and he declares... He he will never leave me nor forsake me. He's with me always to fellowship with me, to be my friend, to care over my life. And so I thank God for a risen Savior who lives, who lives, and not just lives, but he lives in me. He lives in you. Hallelujah. Stand with me this morning.